With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, we have a powerful, powerful show tonight. And I think that's because we have a powerful, powerful guest. <laughs> yes, yes, I and agree, I, I agree. Yes, and, and I can laugh about that, Brian, because I know that it's going to change someone's life because of the wonderful things that this, 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 this brother of ours is doing. And, Brian, you know what? If you have a pen and a pad at home, get it out and take notes. It's funny because I have mine ready. (laughs) And if you need to put your seatbelt on, go ahead and put it on because it's going to be a bumpy ride. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) But we're going to have fun, Brian. Tonight, you know, we're going to talk about a lot of things. We're going to cover some things that's going on in the community that a lot of us need to talk about. And, Brian, you know, a lot of people think because of things that happened in their past, they can't do anything good. They're allowing their past to dictate their future. They're allowing their past to dictate their dreams and their goals because they're ashamed of some of the things that they've done, and they don't even know, Brian, that they're walking in victory. You know, it's funny, Greg. I was uh, just recently at the National Achievers induction meeting, uh, induction ceremony where my twins were inducted into the National Achievers Society, and there was a young lady who spoke. I can't remember exactly her last name, but her first name was Jasmine, and she's like the first. Uh, she's the president of the National Achievers, and the vice president for the state in the National Achievers. And that's one of the things she talked about. She said, "You cannot allow other people to dictate your reality." And I thought that was just so wonderful coming from a young lady, you know. And I think we need more people. Believing that, believing that, just having the mind, you know, of a child, and that child had that belief in that nobody else could dictate her future or her reality, you know, and it was because she had important, you know, people in her life guiding her and molding her. And that's why I think tonight's show is going to be so great because we have a young man with us who is a motivating force in guiding and motivating and believing in our youth and our young people here in Tallahassee and the surrounding areas. So I think that's a great way to introduce him. Yeah. Yes. Right. You know what, Brian? Before you bring him on, you know, I want to say this, that a lot of the youth out there, they don't have that adult figure. And I'm not talking about a mother and a father. I'm talking about someone in the community that see these kids falling off to the wayside that will walk up to them and have the guts and nerves and to just even care to say, you have a future. There's something more that you can do better than what you're doing right now. I know because I've been down the same road that you're going down, and I want to help you. I want to reach out and help you. It doesn't have to be your biological kid. It can be just a kid in the community. That's your kid. He's in your community. That's your child. Reach out to him. And, Brian, I know this is something that you do in your neighborhood as well. Oh, yes, yes. I can truly say that, you know, when I see kids out there, I talk to them. I keep in touch with them. You know, even uh, kids that I've coached in football, they see me on a regular basis, and I talk to them, how you doing, how's your grades, you know, just keeping in touch with them, just saying a positive word to them, giving them that encouragement. You know, the same thing with the kids at my church. You know, I'm always talking to them from the littlest, all the little ones to the old ones that think they're grown and they know everything. You know, I'm always in their ear, you know, giving them a word of encouragement, giving them a word of caution, you know, just giving them something that they can use. 
Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, you and I were at a meeting, uh, was it last week or week before last, and, and, our, and our guest was there. Mm-hmm. Just his presence, he, he, he said some things that, Brian, that stood out to me, and you know me, I'm going at I Hey, I got to have you. We need you to come on, and we need you to talk and say some things to some people that mm-hmm. feel like they've done some things in their life. They may have murdered someone. They may have been a drug dealer or on drugs or molested or raped someone. You know, I, I really want him to come on and just let those people out there know you can start over. Every morning, there's new mercies. Yeah, yeah. Well, Greg, you know I'm antsy now, so I'm ready to introduce him anyway. <laughs> Let's bring him on. Let's bring him on. Yes, with us tonight, we have Elder Al Wilborn, who is the pastor of Holy Temple of Miraculous Works mm. here in Tallahassee, Florida. And we'd like to welcome you to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Praise the Lord. Praise <laughs> the Lord. I'm excited to be here. Yes, and thanks for so coming good. on. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Hey, you know, Pastor, we, we, when we were at the meeting, we talked about the community and, and talked about the kids. And uh, Brian and I, we go places and we talk to people, uh, young and older, and they all talk about their youth and about what they couldn't do. They were told that they couldn't do this, and they were told that they couldn't do that. And, and a lot of people are like the Josephs out there that, that are dreaming, but they're not doing anything. What What can they do to... To, to get that to get motivated to do something. Well, first we must understand the Bible tells us that there's life and death and the power of the tongue. There's so much that Jesus say the issues of life proceed from the heart. And that's one thing we must understand. When something comes out of your mouth, you can't retrieve it. And it's so powerful. You can speak life into a child's uh, spirit, and then you can speak death into their spirit. You can tell them over and over and constantly saying they're not going to be anything versus saying something they can be positive. There's so many kids growing up that have been told uh, that they can be the first black president. Well, now it actually took place, and there's so many kids that have been revived knowing that one day they can be president of the United States of America. So that positive word that comes from our heart, we must learn to speak positive things, regardless of the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please them. So speaking positive things is always starts out first because without love. When I was on drugs and I was an addict and one of the things that bothered me the most, the people who say they love me didn't show love. Love is not what you say. Love is what you do. And a lot of our kids are missing love uh, from their neighbors, from the people that are passing by. And we that are in the Christian community, we've got to express love to our youth and let them know that, that they can be somebody. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, and it's an important thing that you said. You talked about speaking life and death into children, and I've seen it far too many times where there's a person out there that's trying to speak, you know, where they think they're speaking life into a child, you know, because they grew up hard or they grew up tough in the tough streets, and so they had to deal with things the way they dealt with it. And so they try to then project what they went through onto that child and say, this is a tough life and you got to get tough, you got to be tough. You know, and they believe that that's the right way. You know, what do you say about people who, you know, who show tough love as opposed to real love? And I'll just say it like that. Well, I think it's the most. I think it needs a balance. I don't think one of the problems we do we we give too much. Uh, we must let them know that they must establish some type of work ethic in everything they do. But I'm always going back to what the Bible tells us: what love and kindness have I drawn me. I mean, there's a way to do things constructive. Uh, constructive criticism is, is great criticism, but you you got some that you're always beating somebody up and letting them know that they can't do it. But with love and kindness, uh, there's a way to – there's an old saying, uh, you can get more uh, flies with honey. There, there's a way to approach a child, uh, open up to a child. One thing Jesus did when he went to the people – he took care of their needs, and then they was able to receive the spiritual things that he has for them. So we show love versus going to them trying to, to, to turn them around. But if we can just go to them and show them that we care, listen to them for a moment, get their attention, let them know that we're concerned about them, and then we bring towards the things that we want them to do. And we can get our, our, our ideals and our, 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 our things across to them much, in a much better way. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I agree. Uh, yes, Pastor Wilbon, uh, we we have a lot of guys down in the white collar prison that are listening right now, and uh, you know, I, I I want you to uh, speak on our past to them because a lot of the guys are struggling with coming out of prison, knowing that people are going to uh, not want to give them a second chance. And and you said something. You said that you were on drugs and you uh, took advantage of your second chance. What would you say to the guys that are in there right now that they know that their road is going to be hard when they get out? Well, I was told by a mother in church many years ago, she'd say, uh, let them paint the picture, but don't you furnish the paint. One thing we must realize, when God says he forgives us, he takes our sins and he tosses them in the sea of forgiveness. I mean, the more they talk about us, we must learn that the more we must begin to pray and ask God to forgive them. Uh, We need to take these stones that they're throwing at us and make them not stumbling blocks, but yet stepping stones. I mean, we need to take this criticism and, and make it as a force or strength to make us even do more. I think when a person stops reaching to become better, to strive to become better, they begin to die. And I don't know, I don't care how old you are, you ought to have a plan or have a desire to do something if there's no more walk extra five steps if you're 90 years old. So no matter where you are in life, you should want to do better today, tomorrow than what you're you today. So those that are uh, in prison and on their way out, sit down and get your plan. I start to help you establish this plan because you can't do anything without God. And you know those people are going to be there. They're waiting to... To, to put you down. And one thing I learned about people who put us put it, people down is because they got problems of themselves. So when they put somebody else down, they make themselves feel that they're better than that person. So there's always something out there that's going to try to hinder us. But if God be for you, then who can be against you? And God is a God of a second, third, fourth, fifth chance. God never gives up in his creation. Mm. Awesome words, awesome words. You know, that was one thing that I always heard people say, God is a God of a second chance, you know. But I've always been the firm believer is God will give you just as many chances as you need. Yeah. You know, I mean, because sometimes somebody, they may need a third chance or a fourth chance, you know. And most people, once they have gotten that that second chance and they've done something with it, they never look back to think about the person who may not have gotten that second or third or fourth chance, you know. Or they may just say, well, I got my second chance, so you need to make the best of your second chance. You know, what do you say to people who who look at it and saying, if you, if you, you know, if you mess up your opportunity, you're not getting another one? Well, First of all, I buy in that lie in Jesus' name. Uh, God, you got to understand, everything we do, we plant seeds. And if you planted a seed years ago, that seed is going to come up, rather it's going to come up as a bad harvest or a good harvest. So you reap what you sow. So if you sow good seeds, those good things will come back to you after a while. God said, blessed is the merciful, for they shall attain mercy. And one thing we must understand, that God is a God who, who rewards us for doing good, and he punishes us for doing wrong. But he doesn't, he's not quick to punish us for doing wrong. He's a long-suffering God. So if you feel that you can't help nobody, then when your turn comes to need help, don't expect to receive help. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, so, and I say that because, you know, one of the reasons we're doing this show tonight is because we want to bring and highlight uh, this wonderful coalition that Greg and I have an opportunity to be involved with, and that's the Community Outreach Coalition, or what we've known it as the COC. You know, can you give us a little more information for our guests and our uh, listeners about yeah. what the COC does and who they are? Well, praise the Lord. It's a vision that the Lord gave me concerning outreach. And I believe as a pastor, um, I don't live in the Orange Avenue area, but as a pastor I cannot preach or teach in that area without doing outreach. Uh, I got. I'm concerned about the community, and I see issues in the community where our young men, uh, our young women, are falling by the wayside. And as the church, the Bible says, "My people, which are called by my name, if we will humble ourselves and seek His face, He said He'll heal the land." So there's a lot of things that are going on in America, in this nation, is because of the church. 
if the church line up and get right, God say, I will heal the land. See, the, the, the sin is not in the land, but it's in the man, but the issues that man is doing is, is causing problems in the land. So therefore, if we that are the church, the Bible said that when Abraham reasoned with God, he said, if you find 50 righteous, will you save the land? So we are the salt of the earth. The church has a responsibility to go out and show love and kindness to these people that are hurting. If we sit behind our four walls and, get, and continue to be selfish about our desires and what we want, then God is going to punish us quicker than he's going to punish the world. The church has to stand up, and that's why God has given me this vision for the COC, which means Community Outreach Coalition. There's so many organizations in town, and they fragment it because everybody, so many people want to be the forefront. They want to be seen. So God gave the vision that no particular organization will have the forefront. It's a coalition of people. So this coalition has come together. We're reaching out, getting grant money. There's a lot of people that have great programs that God has given them, but they don't know how to do it in administrative fashion. So we're going to put together grant writers and people who are able to help get monies for these these organizations, these programs that God has given these people, because you've got some folks that have great, great love for gang violence, but they don't have the right initiative or the right know-how to get their program off the ground. So the COC is going to be doing many things like that. And there's a guy that they call Pastor Pizza who goes, who has been coming in our community for 16 years. He's a white preacher, been coming across the tracks that we would say in our community for 16 years. So, and nobody really haven't supported him like we should have. And that's one of the greatest things we're going to do with the COC. We're going to stand behind him. We're going to support him. We're not going to reinvent the wheel. We're going to stand with him. And we're not going to do no more than just be present with him and let him know that we're there to support him. Without brotherly love, uh, we cannot tear down the kingdom of heaven, of faith. I mean, he's, he's taking over the land. He's moving throughout the land, but it's time for God's people to take a standard against him. You know, you said something that was powerful about love, and, it, and, 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 and I want to talk about the gangs here because the activity is, is increasing. I don't know if it's a weekly, monthly, or whatever basis, but we, we hear so much stuff that's going on. And these kids that are joining these gangs, do you think it's because they're missing some type of love? They're missing some type of fellowship and being a part of something so they go out and uh, join the wrong kind of what they think is love? Do you think that that's just something that's missing in their life? Well, let's go back to the beginning in the Garden of Eden. I think Satan uh, 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 deceived Eve because he spoke to her in a way that got her attention. Uh, our kids are missing single-parent homes. They're missing love. So, therefore, if they can feel part of something, everybody wants to be part of something. Nobody wants to be isolated. Nobody wants to be criticized, picked on, or ostracized. So everybody wants to be loved. So once they get around their friends and they get in these gangs and they feel part of something, they feel like they, they have this, this coalition, this clique going on, and they begin to do things that are unseen, the things that are against the law, and they feel comfortable about it because they, they, they do it in unity. Uh, the Bible said in the book of Genesis that when they began to build the tower into Babel, God said, and I can't even imagine this in my own mind, but God they would have reached heaven because they was on one accord. And when you get anybody, whether it's for evil or whether it's for good, and they get together and get on one accord, they can do a lot of damage or they can do a lot of good. And gangs are people that are working together uh, to to one common goal, whether it's drugs, robbery, or whatever it may be. And they, they miss in love. And once they get together, that they feel part of something. And we are the church. We that are ministers, community leaders, politicians, mentors, we have to go in and diffuse these things by letting them know that you still can have fun in the church. You can still have fun doing community events. You don't have to take care of them. You don't have to walk around and do drugs and have your pants falling down to be part of a group that loves you. You know, and I, and I think that's that's really it. They've actually found somebody who is showing them what they believe is love. Amen. Because they've, they've had such a skewed vision of what true love is. You know, many of them have grown up in single-parent homes. Many of them have grown up in two-parent homes, and they have not felt true love from their parents or their whoever's taking care of them. 
or they've been in a situation where they, you know, where they have grown up in maybe foster care or grown up on the streets. Amen. You know, and so they have not seen and witnessed true love. So when somebody comes to them and they say, I love you, you're my brother now. Uh huh. That's something that they may have never experienced before. Amen. You know, and so because they've been beaten and whipped all their life, you know, then they get into this gang initiation where they get beaten and whipped, and then they've been told, here it is, now that I've beaten and whipped you, I love you and you're my brother. They take that as a a vow of solidarity. I can be down now. I have a brother, somebody who who whooped me, but now they really love me because they let me come in. And somebody, somebody who sticks with them, they, they can go and, and they can do harm to somebody and be on one accord with it and think it's exciting. Yeah, you know, and and here's the thing that I learned because when I was young, I wasn't in what I considered a gang, but other people considered us a gang. You know, I had what we called my, we had our posse. Right. You know, and all we did was hang out and, you know, and mess with girls, really. That's all we did when we were young. Mm-hmm. But the other gangs were uh, were upset with us because we wouldn't fight. Right. You know, it was like they wanted us to fight, and we wouldn't fight because we were like, man, we're not fighters, you know. Yeah. But they wanted to fight with us. They wanted to start fights, and that wasn't our cup of tea. You know, we always found ourselves on the wrong end of a situation, you know, where we went to hang out. So we would hang out in smaller groups, you know, and so you might see two or three or four of us together, but never, at, you know, as 15, 20 kids. And that's what the kids don't understand now. You know, when they get together in these huge groups, people will misperceive them as a gang. You know, you hang out with two or three guys, you might be okay. You hang out with four, five, six, now you're perceived as being possibly being a gang. And I think a lot of our kids are mislabeled that way, and they begin to embrace it Amen. because they want to look hard. They want to look important, you know, and they misconstrue being tough as being important. And, and of course, drugs uh, didn't help a whole lot when it comes to gangs neither because they have a, a way of making lots of money now. They have a way of uh, uh, dressing nice. They have a way of uh, uh, having fancy cars. And I don't b- blame rap music for a whole lot of this. It plays a very vital part of it. But let's say if it wasn't for rap music, there's a lot of rappers who would probably be dead today. I mean, a lot of people came. There is some positive things that came from rap music, but I think uh, we've taken it, our kids are really taking it out of context because they don't understand that a lot of these things these guys are doing or saying are really not true. A lot of these rappers are not living what they say they're preaching or rapping about. And the ones that are listening to it are trying to live what they're listening to, and the one that made it is not living what he says he's doing. Mm-hmm. So there's a misconception that's taking place there that our children need, needs to know about and don't try to live everything you hear. And once again, there's power and death, and there's life and death in the power of the tongue. We need to learn how to decipher what's good and what's not. And we must teach our children and show them that there's another way to receive wealth. There's another way to receive our love. And one thing that bothers me the most, we look at our young women today, and we look at pedophiles. Uh, we think the pedophiles are some of the terrible people in the world. Well, they are to a certain extent, but at the same time, they're being teased. They're being uh, uh, these young ladies are doing things that are unseemly, and that doesn't excuse them from what they're doing. But there's a spirit in them that needs to be delivered from. But they don't need to be teased while they're trying to seek deliverance. So there's an issue that needs to take place at home with that daughter, as well as that man needs to get in church somewhere and seek God for deliverance. So there's a two-sided thing, and I'm saying that the woman is at is at fault, and I'm not saying the guy is, is is all alone. But there's an issue there that the church needs to address to take care of both sides. It takes two to tangle. Yeah, right. you know, Pastor, you you hear a lot of the kids saying, "Well, all of this stuff that we're doing on the streets, we're seeing this stuff in the church. We see this. Uh, the people they don't accept us in the church because we dress a certain way." because we talk a certain way. So when we go in there, we're being judged as soon as we walk in the door. 
You know, it, it, it's almost as if they're holding the pastor of that church on the same level as God because they're saying, well, if he's not right, then nobody's right. And that's how they see on the outside. And, and, and Brian and I, we talk with kids all the time, and a lot of them have stated this to us. Well, uh, I, I know pastor's doing this, and I know pastor. Well, you know, pastor can't get you in heaven. And, and that's so true, but yet at the same time, they're looking for an excuse. Yeah. So they feel if he can do it, and there's so much mess going on in the church, why should I go in the church to get right and there's mess in the church? So the church, once again, the church has to get right. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. And if the salt has lost its Savior, where would it should be, be, be salted? Henceforth, good for nothing to be cast out and trodden for the men. So if the church cannot show themselves as a beacon of hope, a beacon of light, then therefore the world cannot draw themselves to it. But God is going to deal with those that are slew-footed, those that are walking not needed and bow-legged. God is going to deal with them, but that's still not an excuse for anybody not to come to the Lord. Yeah, I agree. You know, and, and, and I believe in these days now, there are so many other options that kids have. You know, and I talk about this. I remember having a discussion with uh, with a football coach. You know, we had a difference of opinion of of coaching styles. And so one of the things that I talked to him about is that, you know, these kids nowadays have so many different options than when we, we were growing up. When we were growing up, it was either you played outside with your friends, you played in the house, or you played sports somewhere. You know, it wasn't that, oh, I could go in the house and, open up a whole different world that I could be involved in being a part of, you know, and it wasn't that, oh, now I don't have to, you know, hang in the streets and just do crazy stuff. I can go and become a part of something much bigger like a gang and stuff like that. See, nowadays the gangs are so much more accessible because there's so many more gangs, you know. There's so much more that they can do now, um, Technology has taken us to a new level. Um, technology has its place, but, you know, anything that man uh, gets his hands on, he can't contaminate it. And uh, we that are using the Internet for the wrong reason, uh, it's not pleasing. But these young men are really, really hurting for love. And once they find love and find somebody who's going to accept them for who they are. And once again, it's like Greg was saying, the church, the church, has this fasana as if you got to be a certain way in order to be part of the church. But that's not so. The Bible says come as you are. And if a church doesn't accept you for who you are, then there's a problem with that church because uh, you can't change nobody overnight. Well, we can't change them anyway. The Bible says one planet, one water, but God give it the increase. Let God change this person in time. I had a young man that got saved beginning of the year. He came to church. He had his hair and dreads. He had earrings in. And he came every Sunday, and I never preached or never said anything about anything he done. But by and by and after a while, the earrings came out. He got his hair cut. He tried, He started dressing differently, and it was God that did it. We try to preach the damnation on people, but it's not our job to do that. It's a place and time to preach the word of God, but when you get personal with the word of God, you begin to scatter the people, and you make people don't want to come in and hear what thus says the Lord. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. That's so true. You know, I, and, and so many of these boys and, and so many of these girls now, they're dealing with so much pain and so much hurt. Uh, a lot of them have been molested. A lot of them have been abused and just left out for dead. A lot of them are just just barely hanging on. And, and a lot of times what that do, that will make them bitter and it will cause them to harden their heart. How can these kids learn to forgive so they can move forward and not let that anger just eat away at them until they get themselves in serious, serious trouble? Well, the Bible tells us that God told the children of Israel, I take away the heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. And the only way that can first happen, the Bible says in order to be a friend, you've got to first show yourself to be friendly. So once that person opens up to you, they can learn to Forgive. The Bible didn't tell us to forget, but it told us to, to forgive. If you can get a child to express themselves, they can learn to trust you, and they can learn to open up to you and talk to you about their past and their issues, and you can tell them 
that you've been through something similar. Your testimony is your most powerful preach word that you can ever give. And a lot of times we as Christians, we fail to tell people where we come from. We, we feel like we don't, we're ashamed of our past. Well, I'm excited to know that God delivered me from many things. And I, I say it on, on the mountaintop because there's people out there that are struggling with issues that don't know how to uh, uh, get delivered from these things. Well, I know a man named Jesus who can deliver you from anything. So once we express ourselves and let people know that God is the one who will and shall, shall deliver you. So give your testimony. Tell people about your, your issues of life. Tell them your hardship. Because there's no new sin under, under the heavens. Everything that happens, somebody has been through it, and there's a way that you can come out of it. And if I've been through drugs and I've been through all the issues in life that I have, and you can see me pastoring and teaching now, so therefore that lets you know that you can as well. Yeah. And you know what? Do you think that because of the people not being transparent, and, and, and I'll say this about church folk, a, a, a lot of the deaconesses and the deacons have done things when they were young that for some reason they look at these kids coming up and they pretty much did the same thing, but they have, uh, they're judging these kids and they're not remembering uh, the things that they did when they were young and they're not sharing those things with those kids. Do you think it's important for the leaders to say, go to these boys and, and the women go to these little girls and say, I, I understand that you like the attention, or the boys, they tell the boys, I understand you want to be stick your chest out and go out here and sleep with this girl and drink and do whatever, but that's not going to get you anywhere. Do you think that they need to really just be transparent about their past so these kids can understand that, you know what, I'm not the only one going through this? Right. I think at church sometimes we present ourselves as holy and die. We, we can't forget where we come from. Paul said in the scriptures, he said, when I was a child, I spake as a child. When I, when I became an adult, I put away childish things. So you must understand these kids are doing the very thing that we did when we was a child. But if you can tell them how to do it and, and have fun but yet be safe, there's a safe way in doing anything. Because if you take fun out of life from a child, then you, you, you're really hurting the child more than you're helping the child. They can go to the movies. They can go to the mall. They can learn to do things and not get in trouble. They can hang out with one another and don't have to carry guns, don't have to smoke drugs to look cool. I remember I looked back on my life when I was in high school and we got high, and we thought we was cool. But when I look at kids now that are high, they look very stupid. So when I look back, I say, I was very stupid. So now I can tell that guy that's doing drugs and smoking and with his eyes half shut, I say, look, I did the same thing you did. But when I look at it now, I was very stupid. And one day you're going to look by and you're going to see yourself and you say, that was very dumb. And not just to mention, you also storing the inside of your body because I got problems inside of my body now because of the things I did when I was younger. Mm. So you got to be transparent. you got to let them know that, that, that I understand what you're going through, but there's safety in the multitude of counseling. So if we don't reach them on their level and let them know that you're headed in the wrong direction, then God is going to judge us. God is going to deal with us without letting them know. It's important that we, we tell them the truth and don't hide it. And I have a question. You know, what role do you think our uh, our political leadership plays in what's going on with gangs and youth? And how can they help? Or, you know, or is what they're doing actually hurting more than helping? Well, Maybe this is a harsh term to use, but there is still a lot of hidden racism in, in America today. I think that we that are black, we need to stop breaking laws and stop making laws. There's a lot of laws that are made to not so much to, to benefit our people. Um, there are a lot of laws that say that uh, if you get caught with a, a, a piece of rock cocaine, you can get 20 years. But you get caught with a, a kilo of cocaine, you can get one year. So that law right there is already hindering uh, our community. So, therefore, we need to teach our kids that they can be lawmakers. They can go down and they can, they can uh, make laws that are help our community because for so long these laws have been against our communities. And, 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 and I'm a one to tell the truth because it, it, it's so honest 
to know that the law system, the judicial system, is so powerful in America, but it has so much hidden racism in the midst of it. But now that we have a president, uh, a president who we feel that, that have come from where we're at and have reached the White House, so if he can do it, is there anything too impossible for God to do to my little son, my, my little uh, neighbor, my, my the kid that's in the housing community today? Is there nothing, is there anything too hard for him to accomplish? I think not. Well, I know not. <laughs> we know not. You know. So therefore, we need to allow these young people to spend more time uh, with mentors and, and politicians. We got a lot of uh, politicians that are in our communities now that need to be mentors to our young people. Uh, we need to have more. Uh, when I was growing up, we had a class that called Ethnic Studies. Uh, we did a lot of times looking at black uh, leaders of our state. But now we got a black president. We should instill in these children day after day. I mean, there's nothing that you can accomplish now. Uh, there's a door that once was closed that now has been bust wide open so that, that you know, the stars are the limit. We can reach now, and that needs to be instilled in kindergarten all the way up through high school. I mean, to let these kids know we have an opportunity. Those chains have been broken. And, and really they've been broken a long time ago, but that mentality has been there, and now there's no reason for that mentality to be in anybody's home. Mm. Yes, I agree, I agree. You know, and then what's sad about it is that, you know, we don't have, in my, in my opinion, I don't think there are enough politicians who are really serious about, you know, helping our kids as far as, like, getting rid of uh, the gangs and so forth. I, you know, and, and like, again, they say this is my personal opinion. I think they're actually, you know, on one side saying, yeah, we got to do something with the gangs, but on the other side saying gangs equal money. You know, because what I've seen is that I've really seen them do a lot to say, hey, we're going to bring in people to – Stop the gangs, you know, and, you know, again, I still see the gangs walking around and everybody knows who the gang members are. So it would be real simple for them to just pick the guys up and take them to jail. You know, you know, they're involved in gang activity. Let's get them off the street, you know, but at the same time, there's a fine line because you have other politicians that say, no, they're First Amendment rights and they're this and they're that. And then they see the fact that you haven't taken the gangs off the street as, okay, maybe we can get some more dollars pumped in if we take a couple of the gangs and still show that there's a gang problem. You know, so there's this fine line where you want some people want the gangs to stay because that equals more money into the community that they can use towards other ventures or even that venture of, quote, unquote, removing the gangs. You know, and again, like I said, this is just my observation. I don't know how much validity is to that is just what I see, you know, because I think there's a real simple method of getting rid of a lot of the gangs, and that's through education. You have to create a culture of education that becomes cultivating to our youth. If you give them opportunities to do something else and not just say, okay, here at the park, you know, we're going to do, you're going to play football or basketball or baseball, and that's it. You can't come to the park and actually do something else like maybe uh, become part of a leadership club or become part of this. You know, this is all you're going to do at Parks and Rec, you see. I think that if you use the Parks and Rec system or the community system, you can you can effect more change with our youth rather than saying, oh, okay, these, this is specifically for sports. You know, do you agree? Yes, sir, I truly agree. We've got to give them other options. We've got to give them other, uh, other ideas and things to do. And as politicians, I think that once they get in office, first of all, they have a lot of people they got to pay back, those that gave so much money to their campaigns. So a lot of that is bound by our tradition. They got to pay these lobbyists back. But at the same time, they can make more of an effort to do certain things when it comes to our communities. Uh, Proctor is one of them. I, I, I really enjoy this guy. I think he's an awesome leader, uh, very intelligent man. He does a lot for the South Side. I admire him a lot. I work with him on the Thousand Men Rally. But we need more people like him in office who's concerned about our youth, who's willing to do things, not just talk but do things. 
And I think it still goes back to our church leaders. I don't care who it may be. I think pastors have more influence over people than anybody. Uh, We look at the president of the United States. He is a powerful man in his own right, but the pastors, we are the ones that God has given that voice that most people will ever listen to. There's more pastors in the community than anything, but if we can come together on one accord, we can stop a lot of this gang violence. We can really reach out to a lot of these kids because we know their mother, we know their grandmother, and if we can reach out to them and show love and bring them into the house of God and show them other things that they can do versus hang out on the streets and carry guns and do drugs, give them something positive to do. Let them know that you can be a millionaire one day by inventing a new program for a computer. That's right. That's so true. And, but a lot of them don't know these things, and the Bible say, my people perish for lack of knowledge. So we need to really let that word knowledge, because knowledge is the key to power. Once they attain knowledge, that's one thing no one can ever take away from you is knowledge. And once you get that knowledge, put it to use. And once we instill this in our youth, and there's so many talented youth out there that really don't have the opportunity, don't have that format or that foundation to let everybody see the power that God has given them, because God gives everyone a measure of faith but also a gift. And that gift is, must be used for the glory of God. If we find that itch, find that niche of that, that the gift that God has given us. Remember Martin Luther King once said, if you're sweet streets, sweet streets like Michelangelo painted pictures, whatever you do, do it and do it very good for the glory of God, and he will always make room for your gift. Mm. Yes, that's so true. Let me ask you this because we were talking about education and, and the, the things that a lot of kids don't know. Now, uh, we're going to talk about where kids are located. The kids on the northern parts of town, the northeastern parts of town, and the south uh, western parts of town, it just seems like there is a discrepancy with how things are given. And it's not just in Tallahassee. I, I believe it's all over the place. It just seems like the same information uh, for those that have is different from the information that are given to those that do not have. Do 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 you do you see a big problem with that? Well, that goes back to our leaders again. Let's go back to our politicians again. Um, we found something in this election that a lot of people knew all along, but they never actually tried to do it. Whether it's unity or strength, uh, Dr. King died so that we can have this right to vote. Uh, never in the history of voting has black people turned out to the polls that we did this time. And I truly believe that we are a group of people that once we come together on one accord, there's nothing we cannot accomplish. So, therefore, if we put the right people where they need to be and they turn around and support the ones that put them there, there's nothing that we can have. We can have those computers in every classroom on the south side that we like to have on the north side. We can have everything that they have, but we need to put people in place that are willing to return those things that we put that, that we did to get them there. It goes back to those politicians again. Uh, a politician is a very powerful individual. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And I'd just like to add that uh, Commissioner Proctor is also Reverend Proctor. So, you know, yeah. actually using that dual role in a very effective manner. You know, and not everybody may like his methods, but I think you know, the one thing that I do like about him is that he gets your attention. <laughs> yeah, he has a way of getting your attention. He does in a very uh, respectable, intelligent way, but he's not one that – he sort of reminds me of Oprah, Oprah Winfrey. I mean, <laughs> Oprah said once, she said, a uh, grandmother said before she died, she wanted to see Oprah working for some decent white folks. Well, Oprah said, well, now I got some decent white folks working for me. <laughs> but we we got to understand that we can't keep that mentality that we all, always going to have to be on the bottom. And I don't speak so much as black and white issue, but that's probably a lot of our problems there as a people, especially when it comes to gangs, because we feel there's no other way out. And that's so sad that for us to keep this stigma, this mentality that we have to do certain things in order to make it in life, when we all have the same opportunity is the ones across the in the north side. 
But we got this mentality that we have to sell drugs. We have to stay in a, a gang of people in order to survive, to make ends meet. Mothers and grandmothers let boys come in the house, to stay in the house, know they're selling drugs, but they allow them to sell drugs so they can help pay for the, the food and the things that are in the house. And that's sort of like aiding and abetting a criminal. And I look at that in a spiritual sense, that grandmother or that mother is just against that boy who's selling drugs because you know he's doing it. Yeah. You know, and, and I wanted to add to that, you know, and I think this is more so towards the the parents or the people that are involved in those children's lives. You can't allow them to continue to do that. You know, you can't give them that as an option. Right. You know, I know in my house, if my mom or my dad would have even thought that drugs were in that house, and they didn't bring them in or something like that, you know what I mean? If they would even had an idea that somebody might have thought they wanted to bring something in our house like that, oh, it was over, you know? And so I think that's the mentality that you have to put in their heads when they're young. Like my children now, they don't like they don't like to see people smoking. It was because when I was young, when they were young, I told them smoking was bad and smoking could kill you. Right. And so when they see people smoking. Sometimes I have to tell them, baby, you can't talk to grown people like that. You know, because <laughs> they'll say, ooh, you are smoking. That is a disgusting habit. You're going to die from lung cancer. You know what I mean? That's how they are. <laughs> because that's something that was learned when they were young. And, you know, and the thing about it is anything you put in a child, especially when they're young, it's going to stay with that child. And they're going to bring it back up. If you tell them not to do something and then they see you do it, they're going to question you. How come you get to do it? And if you say because I'm grown, guess what's going to happen when they get grown? Amen. Or when they think they're grown enough, they're going to do that exact same thing they saw you do. That's why it's so important for us as adults to watch what we do. Or we know if we know we're going to have children around, don't do that. Right. See, I think if you have if you have that mentality that I'm not going to allow them to see me do my mess. You'll start doing less mess. Amen. But, you know, at the same time, they're boring. A lot of times in the church today because so many young parents uh, had children at an early age, and their children saw them do things. So when they get older, the child begin to do it, and the child will bring it back to them. Well, you did it, Mama. And it's how you handle that moment when that child says, well, I saw you do it. Well, that's the time for that parent to sit down and say, yes, I did do it, but I was wrong when I did do it, so I'm trying to encourage you not to do it. But don't get upset with the child and whoop the child because the child is disrespecting you. Well, the child is only saying and doing what he saw you do. Mm-hmm. And that's so true. You know, and, and I think that also goes to listening to the things that are said by family members when you come together as a family. Well, I never had this, and I'm always sick because of such and such, such and such, and this is what, just how it is. Those kids are listening to that. They're listening Amen. to, they're listening to parents and their parents and the uncles and aunts and all of these people that get together and can't get along. They're, they're listening to the parents arguing, fussing, and you and you wonder why the kids are arguing and fussing with each other because they see their parents doing that, and then when they see that uncle. Uh, together with the other family members with a brown paper bag, we 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 all know what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. We all know what he's doing. And, and the kids. He's trying to hide it though. Yeah, yeah. But the kids know. They they already know what's going on, and I think that that the kids know a lot more than they let on because you know out of respect they can't say certain things. Well, you don't need to drink. You don't need to do this or. You shouldn't speak that way because, you, you know, that's just bad language or you're saying things that you shouldn't say. How do you think families should act when kids are around and how should families act when kids aren't around? Well, I remember when I was growing up as a child, you could not sit in the midst of grown folks' conversation. If they thought that you was listening, you would, you, you would have to duck. You would have to duck real quick. But nowadays you got mothers and fathers going to the clubs with their sons and daughters. So there's so much more going on in society than uh, 
should be. Our parents should keep a keep a tighter rope or lease on our kids versus uh, allowing them to to spend more time doing adult things. Things that adults should stay with adults, and adults should a parent that uh, a mother and a father have an issue. They should wait till that child to go to sleep before they uh, get to the argument. I mean, you have disagreements in the house, but it's how you do it. Uh, that father should always show love and kindness to that wife in front of that son. Open it up for your for your wife so that son can grow up and understand that he has to be respectful to ladies one day. But if he see his father beat his mother, that's all he's gonna want to do when he get older. Mm-hmm. So we have to. It's not so much what we say, but it's more so in what we do. We are living examples. We are seed uh, spreaders at all times. So we must acknowledge that and, and, and realize that we got to give an account of everything we do and say, especially in front of a child because they pick up so quickly. I have a two-year-old. Uh, he picks up everything that he sees me do. He repeats every word that I do. It, so I say it sometimes. So I got to be very careful about my choice of words. I drop something one day and I say, oh, man. So that's his favorite word now. Oh, man, <laughs> he picked it up just that easy. And it surprised me one day when he dropped something, he said, oh, man. So I, I have to learn to be very careful and choose my words carefully around him. You know, it's so funny that you said that because it reminded me of, of church this Sunday. We were uh, I, I'm involved with the children's church at my church, and there was a little girl there, a beautiful little girl, could be no more than maybe two or three years old, and she said the word ASS. You know, she said something about somebody with a such and such ASS. Uh-huh. And she didn't know she was saying a bad word. No. Because she had heard somebody say it. It was so common. And so when we pulled her to the side, we said, you know, uh, one of the, the the teenagers was getting on her about it and made her sit, you know, by herself. And she didn't understand what was going on. And so, you know, one of the ladies went and sat down with her and started talking to her, and she found out by sitting there and talking to her that the little girl didn't know she was saying a bad word. And she said, well, where'd you hear them? Where'd you hear somebody say that? She said, on the radio. (laughs) (laughs) On the radio. You know, and it made me think about it. A lot of it has to also do with the environment that our children are put in. Right. You know, if you're put in an environment where... Let's say, for instance, you see women being objectified by men. You see women being beat by men. You know, you see, you know, people disrespecting other people. That's what you're going to do. You know, I'm I'm reminded of a little boy that was seven years old down in South Florida, and he pulled a knife on another kid at school. You know, he told him he was going to, if you keep talking about me, I'm going to stab you. And then when they when they went to get him, you know, went to stop him from being bad or whatever, he told the people he was going to shoot them all up. Huh. You know, and he's seven years old. And when they asked him later, did you did you know that you, you know, he said he didn't mean to hurt his friend. He was just tired of his friend talk about him, and he did what he saw somebody else do. That's just the same as the boy who did the wrestling move on the kid. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he actually uh, uh, did this guy great harm because, he thought it was fine because the wrestler did it. Most people didn't know that wrestling was fake. Yeah. But the kid did not know that. I mean, some of these cartoons that we used to look at as a child was pretty pretty strange. You know, the roadrunner never got killed. I never got caught, but the yep. coyote always got killed. And if you don't sit down and explain this to a child that he can't jump off the house and get up and walk away, then there's going to be trouble one day. You know, it's funny. I used to do that when I was little. We would jump off the house and roll. Yeah. And it was just we would just it was just good that we had real tall thick grass. Yeah, that was good. You know, because yeah. we would do that all the time because we saw the A team and everybody else do stuff like everybody that. Everybody else do it, yeah. You know? Yeah. And we thought hey, it's okay. Wow, <laughs> that's funny. You know, I I was telling my brother in law about, about Popeye. You know, all of us we watched Popeye the Sailor Man and right. we watched how he he would always uh get his spinach. Uh-huh. And, and just recently, I was watching Popeye with my daughter, and and she asked me, "Why is it that he's always getting this spinach?" And it was just like God revealed to me that that spinach is His Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit, Amen. and He's all, He's only 
using it or going to it when he's in trouble. Amen. When 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 the when the trouble comes and he can't handle it, he's relying on something else. And and I'm saying all that to say this that the guys that are in prison, that woman is being beat by her husband. There is a way out. God said that He promised you that He will give you a way out of everything. But if you don't know, like Pastor Ramon, that you said the people are perishing for lack of knowledge. They don't know how to get out. They don't know how to reach for that help. You know, and it's people like you that are going around and speaking and saying things and, and just letting people know that you may be on the bottom. It may feel like you're on the bottom right now, but also know that you're in a stage of, of you, you're, you're learning, your character is being built when you're suffering. You Amen. Know, and, and, and it's a beautiful thing with what you're doing. So, you know, I applaud you on what you're doing, and, and please continue doing that because it is needed, not always just in the church, I mean the prisons and the detention centers, but in the church as well. Amen, amen. But, but Pastor, we what? have four minutes, and, and, and we, we, I just want to get your information. I know you're up for speaking engagement. I know yes, that you don't mind traveling, and I know that if for anyone, uh, church, uh, business, uh, community centers, wherever you need, I, I I really believe that you need to get in touch with Pastor Wilborn, and we'll have his information for you later. But I want him to give you that information right now, and we'll be posting it as well. Amen, amen. Uh, I thank God for this opportunity to come on and, and talk about these issues that are facing our community today. But most of all, I believe that, um, and I preached this message once, the devil cannot touch us. According to Matthew 16, chapter, it tells us that uh, upon this rock, I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I believe in preaching holiness of hell, and there's nothing we cannot accomplish with God's help. But if you want to reach me to for any speech and engagements or anything of that nature, I'll be glad to come. Uh, you can reach me at area code 850-345-6203. That's 850-345-6203. And my name, once again, is Ella Al Wilborn. I pass the Holy Temple Miraculous Works. Feel free to call me at any time, and I just love the Lord, and I'd be awesome. It'd be an awesome opportunity to just share the word of the Lord with you. And I thank you guys for having me. Uh, you guys are awesome. You really encouraged me the first time I met you, and I applaud you guys, and I encourage you guys to continue doing the work of the Lord because this is an awesome ministry that you all have. Awesome. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Also, church, uh, Pastor, where is your church located? It's 1519 West Orange Avenue. It's on the west end near the golf course going towards the airport. Very small little building. We're in the process of building a bigger church here in the next month or two. Uh, feel free to stop by. We have services every Friday night at 730, pastoral teaching. Every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock is Sunday school. and 1130 is our Sunday morning worship service. And by the way, quickly, my wife is an evangelist, evangelist Tanya Jones-Wilborn. She has a CD out. So the information also will be here with you guys if you want to call and get a copy of our Sunday messages or one of our CDs. Feel free to call me or contact this radio station here, and we'd love to hear from you. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, We'll get that information out as well. Yes, sir. Yeah. You know, great thing you're doing, great ministry that you have, great coalition that Greg and I are now a part of. And, you know, there are some great things that are going to be coming out of that Community Outreach Coalition in the coming future. Can you tell us a little bit about what's going on with it? Well, right now we're in the midst of getting a grant from the uh, Department of Juvenile Justice, and we want to uh, fund some of these organizations that are dealing with gang prevention and awareness. So if you have any ideas that can be a blessing to us, please contact me at that same phone number. and we'll, We want to have you part of the CLC, and I want to see Greg and Bryant being more vital in that, and we want to fund some of these organizations that they're taking part in, some of these motivational speaking engagements. We want to make sure that these guys are able to go to it. A lot of times funding is, is very important, and we fall short of the things that we desire to do because we don't have the funding. And there's a lot of grants that are out there that's for these types of funds, these programs. So we want to be a blessing to those that have a vision but don't have the, the need to make the vision come forth. Awesome, awesome, awesome. You know, and again, it's the Community Outreach Coalition. Yes, and, you know, one of the things that kind of intrigued me about the coalition when I got there was that, you know, uh, it was Pastor Pizza. He was there and he was talking about how enthused the youth were 
when they saw more people there that looked like them than they were used to seeing. And when I'm saying that, I mean when they saw more black men and women out there helping and talking to them, they they took more ownership of that. And I think that's what we need now. We need more uh, black faces out there, more positive black images out there for our young black males and our young black females so that they may feel empowered, that they may feel that they mean something. You know, we got about 30 seconds left, and I want to thank you again, Pastor Wilborn, for yes, coming on and joining us. Um, Greg, awesome show tonight. Did a great job. Thank you. And uh, I want to encourage everybody to come back on Wednesday night, 9 p.m., Blog Talk Radio, ASC Motivation, for the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you until then. Good evening, and God bless you all. God bless you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.